Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911. Two man car. My name is Ruben Ava. My partner is Jesse Romero. We are the LASD, love and sacrifice daily so that we can leave all sin destroyed. And that's that's it's true about our lives. I'll just uh, uh, we make it a living sacrifice. Uh, a- absolutely. That's Catholicism, Ruben. And uh, I'm 10, eight, by the way, I'm on duty. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Jess. we have a good show today. You know, Ruben, I, I've always uh, I've given a name for years to CNN. I've always I mean, I've been saying this for 10 or more years. I, I tell my wife that I call them either the Clinton News Network or I call them the Communist News Network. And I've been vindicated, Ruben. That's exactly what they are. And we're going to make our case today. Yep. Yep. This guy, uh, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas, is doing some outstanding work. He's a Catholic, by the way, Ruben. He's one of us. He's on our side. <laughs> I, I would doubt it. Man. And I heard he's a, <clears throat> a TLM. That's what I've been told. Oh, wow. Well. A- same with David Delight, and I've heard he's also a... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, traditional Catholic. You you find that uh, a lot of the people are doing good things. I mean, not all only them. Yeah, but uh, like the, yeah. the like the uh, individual, like the young man who who saved. Oh well, he he destroyed. He got rid of the uh, Pachamamas. You know, I think he was Australian. He, Same thing. He was a uh, he was yeah. more traditionally minded Catholic. Right. So let's jump right into it, Ruben. This is put out by the Daily Wire. The CNN director uh, actually said. Quote, we worked to oust Trump. We create propaganda, use fear to pass the climate agenda. In fact, that's their next move. So James O'Keefe, a brother in Christ from Project Veritas. Veritas means truth in Latin. He released an explosive video on Tuesday that showed CNN technical director Charlie Chester admitting that the network worked to get President Donald Trump out of office and that the network creates propaganda on issues they know little about. So, I mean, President Trump has been vindicated by calling them for four years fake news. The truth is out. The the footage is explosive and it likely will not come as a surprise to many. Uh, Polling has shown that CNN is the least trusted cable news network and is the most divisive media brand in the country on cnn and its employees working to oust uh, trump from office uh charlie chester the technical director made the following remarks throughout various encounters that he had with an undercover project veritas journalist uh he said this quote look what we did we cnn got trump out I'm 100% going to say it, and I 100% believe that if it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have got voted out. I came to CNN because I wanted to be part of that. Wow. He also says it's going to be our CNN's focus, like our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying, without saying it, that's what it was, right? So the next thing is going to be climate change awareness. So, Ruben, they, they, they always got something 
on the firing line. And their next thing is, again, uh, is, is to start, again, promoting fear about climate change, global warming. The media is all about creating fear. And this guy admits it in this article that we're going to be uh, sharing with you. Yeah. I mean, you go back to the riots of all last year. They were they were the ones who were fanning the flames, and you know they're the ones. They're they're giving a newscast. There's somebody live on the scene in the background. You see places burning. Oh, it's mostly peaceful protests. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, so your your eyes are lying to you. Yes, just this is <laughs> out of control, man. Trump was right on fake news, man. And uh, so CNN. Uh, Creating propaganda to damage Trump. Chester said that. Uh, Chester said that uh, Trump's hand was shaking or whatever, I think he says. I, I brought in so many medical people to tell a story that was all speculation. That he was neurologically damaged and he was losing it. He's unfit to, you know, whatever. We were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about. That's what I think. That's propaganda, he says. Um and then on on the on whether it was predetermined to cover uh, the agenda to cover climate change, to use fear to sell it, Chester said, "I think there's a COVID fatigue. So like whenever a new story comes up, they're they're at CNN going to latch onto it. They, they've already announced it in our office, and and once the public's is uh, will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate. You know, if, if this stuff." I, I can't believe that uh, people are going to buy this this uh, idea of climate change. Um, but half the population believe it, you know. And just like half the population listen to listen to these these knuckleheads on uh, CNN. Ruben, well, it, it makes sense because, you know, half the population, I mean, our Lord calls uh, the people on earth. He says sheep and goats to the right yeah. are the sheep to the left are goats. There's a lot of goats, in other words. And, and the Bible also categorizes planet earth. In 1 John 3.10, sons of Satan and sons of God. There's only two teams out there. Mm. Life is, is, you know, it's a bifurcation, good and evil. Sons of God, sons of the devil, goats and sheep. And uh, and that's exactly, you You find the low information American, mm. they're the ones that watch the Clinton Communist News Network. Mm. Yeah. So that this is what their their next thing is that to... Um to uh, push this climate change. He says, I have a feeling that that it's going to be like constantly showing videos of decline in ice and weather warming up and, and like the effects of having on it's the effects it's having on the economy. You remember just, it was that AOC who said that we got 10 years to change this. So we're same with Kerry. John Kerry said the same thing. Wow. So uh, yeah, they said in 10 years, the world is basically going to end yeah. uh, you. So you got two prominent Democrat politicians that have basically said that we have 10 years left on planet Earth. Now, I would just say theologically, if we don't get our act together in the Catholic Church and as people of God, uh, uh, the time will be short, but I'm certainly not going to put some time frame like they are and base it on false science. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Climate change is the next uh, pandemic-like story that they're going to beat to death. He says, but that one's got longevity. (laughs) So you know what I mean? He says, like, there's a definitive uh, ending to the pandemic, and I'll taper off to a point that it's not a problem anymore, and climate change can take years. So they'll, meaning CNN, will probably be able to milk that for quite a bit. Could you imagine just the... They, so, the, Ruben, the they, they, they basically have, like, a, a play sheet or a hymn, you know, that they all use the same hymn sheet 
from from one network to another. But it seems like CNN. They seem to be like uh, the quarterback. Uh, they're they're the pace setters for the left. Yeah, and yeah, it says here. Um, be prepared, it's coming. Climate change is going to be the next COVID thing for CNN. Uh, this is written by uh, uh, O'Keefe, James O'Keefe. Mm. When asked if CNN was going to use fear to push their agenda, uh, Chester, and remember, Chester is the, uh, let me get his title here. So He's a pro, like a project director, you know. He's yeah, like yeah, pro, yeah, Chester is the. Technical look, director. There you go. Technical director for CNN. Right. He, he's. He's asked about this. He says, yeah, fear sells. Yeah, fear sells. Uh, and he says, we're going to use fear to push the, uh, the agenda. And so thanks be to God, a Project Veritas, you know, doing this investigative reporting. Uh, other people like Church Militant doing a lot of ex- uh, reporting within the Catholic Church and covering corruption within the bishops. Uh, God bless these people that are doing some incredible investigative reporting with these undercover videos, but specifically, you know, kudos to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas with these undercover videos of CNN employees. Ruben, in the Catholic faith, we call what CNN does day in and day out, we call it the sin of slander. Mm -hmm. We call it the sin of detraction. We call it the sin of lies. (laughs) We call it the sin of calumny. Yeah. And by the way, the Bible's very clear uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that liars will not go to heaven. Just, just, I'm just putting it out there. That's in the Bible. Liars, unrepentant liars, will not go to heaven. Mm. If everybody on the left that works for these networks does not repent before they hit their exit interview with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, they will end up in hell with the father of lies. That's what Satan is, the father of lies. And Satan uses these media outlets on the left to promote lies and to gin up fear because that's what the devil is all about it's all about fear but as saint thomas aquinas says fear is the enemy of faith we live by faith not by fear ruben yeah you're right jesse and uh you know that calumny you mentioned that that's a huge sin because uh you're destroying someone's good character you know and and so many times they can't get that back. You, you're better off just busting them in the mouth and the chops, but but destroy their character. Yeah, that could that could heal. Yeah, yeah that could heal. The character is uh, something that you got to carry with you, and and people start looking at you sideways. Um, but anyway, um, we ha- we we have a, on another uh, article uh, that CNN is also <laughs> they're producing to push COVID nineteen death numbers. This is an uh, article that was put out by uh, the Epic Times. Let's hold back for for the next segment on that okay. real, real quick. I uh, just want to mention, Ruben, CNN, uh, the, Clint, the Communist News Network, I, I think I've shared this story before. A Cuban priest in Florida, I was there giving a parish uh, conference uh, while, about a year ago, and he told me, Jesse, the only news outlet that the Castro regime allows in Cuba is CNN on a 24-hour cycle. Wow. Well, in the airport, that's that's all that's playing in the airport. Man. <laughs> all right. They don't have Fox on, by the way, at the airport. Nope. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are back. We just been finished up a, a an article on what James O'Keefe is doing at Project Veritas where he's uh he's exposing these 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 lies and these these imposters that call themselves uh news uh you know investigative reporters and and uh whatnot so yeah, yeah Ruben, i'll tell you why the, these guys are the clinton news network and others i'll tell you why they're liars because the job of a journalist is to report facts okay and 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 they're they're supposed to leave it up to the consumer to decide what they think okay so they just put out the facts and it's up to us like you know we report you decide but but uh, this is why fewer Americans, especially fewer Catholics, were trusting the modern day journalists because they have an agenda, Ruben. Yeah, it's a leftist agenda. Go ahead, Jesse. They're they're just another arm of the the D's. Democrat Party, right? Yeah, and, and so they do not report uh, the truth. And part of their job is to is to to call onto carpets these politicians and the government and, and uh, some of the shady things that. We may or may not be doing and uh, expose them, but they have just been covering up everything that the Democrats have been doing. I mean, the whole the whole election uh, series was the whole year of that was was spent, uh, you know, uh, bashing Trump. Never, uh, never anything else. Uh, exactly. Pushing the fear of the virus. Yep. Go Ruben, ahead. This, yeah. The CNN head, which is uh, Jeff Sucker, he's also. Uh, there was a, James O'Keefe also released a tape of a head, the head of CNN, Jeff Sucker. He told the staff that we have to go after C, uh, GOP Senator Lindsey Graham. He said we, we've been, um, uh, you know, we've been too nice, uh, so we, you know, we we have to uh, go after him. And he's also threatening Jeff Sucker is also threatening James O'Keefe with legal action. But the uh, CNN has personally intervened to order the cable network staff, Jeff Sucker. To display the number of people who have died of COVID-19 in the broadcasts, according to CNN technical director, uh, who was caught on a hidden camera making the comments. And so the goal was to boost ratings. And the CNN director said, explained that, quote, fear really drives numbers and is the thing that keeps you tuned in, close quote. So uh, this is why. Uh, the, uh, the the program director, the, the technical director, Chester, says <clears throat> this is why that they constantly have, CNN constantly has the COVID death toll on the side uh, with, he says, I have a major problem with, with how we're telling how many people die every day, uh, said the executive Charlie Chester that he's heard in a video as saying this to James O'Keefe from Project Veritas in an undercover journalism, uh, you know, sting. So sometimes Chuck Chester says he would be told by his director to pull the death count down for the, only for the head of the network to intervene. He says the special red phone rings and the producer picks it up. You hear murmurs, and every so often they put put it on speaker, and it's the head of the network, Jeff, Jeff Zucker, being like, quote, there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick. Put the COVID death toll numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we have. So put it back up. Uh, close quote. This is what uh, Chester says when the, when the red phone rings. And it's Jeff Sucker, basically the CNN chairman, that's uh, calling the shots. 
So when asked by a journalist about whether the network had any concern about Biden's health, like during the election period, uh, you know, Chuck Chester said that CNN often showed clips of Biden jogging and wearing aviator glasses Mm -hmm. to paint him as a young geriatric and to show that he's healthy. Uh, But CNN, they wouldn't make a huge story out of the incident where Biden was filmed tripping three times while going upstairs. And uh, Chuck Chester says, yeah, we talked about it very briefly. And so Project Veritas, they've conducted an undercover investigation of CNN prior in October 2019, which showed staff members saying the network was biased to the left. And they incessantly focus on Trump to the detriment of other topics. Mm-hmm. And like uh, like Chuck Chester, they largely blame their issues with the network on its leadership, particularly Jeff Zucker. Right. And just, uh, th- you know, they just continually uh, ignore the problems of the left. You know, the, the politicians like uh, Omar, um, you know, the, 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 the councilwoman, I mean, the... Uh, representative from um, Minnesota she's uh she she married her brother right to get him over here get him uh make him legal she, there's there's all kinds of things that are going on in the party that uh this this idea with the at the border they're not covering that at CNN the 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 disaster that's going on with the influx of uh, immigrants at the border that's just overtaking uh, um you know our border patrol our ice and uh, we we have no place to put some of these kids, and 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 in fact, uh, they're looking for um, you know venues to to house more kids that they're that they're just bringing across, and and the, and CNN doesn't cover those kind of things. They the only thing they cover is something that's going to uh, strike fear, like the the COVID. They're strike fear, getting everybody to buy into the vaccine, and that's why they keep putting those numbers up just so that. Uh, you know those people who watch this 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 network on a re- regular basis, they're they're locked up in their homes. You know, instead of uh, and wearing double masks <laughs> and a face shield when they're jogging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or driving their car by themselves. Yeah, Ru- Ruben, uh, this is all the gin up fear. This is all to control people. And unfortunately, we have a lot of low information Americans. I just tell people disconnect, disconnect. Start praying more. Start reading some good books. Start watching alternative media, like on the internet. And I'll tell you, people want to know. So, Jess, what do you watch and stuff? I'll tell you where I get my news from. I get it from Church Militant. I get it from Epic Times. I get it. I get some from Newsmax. I get some from Fox, specifically the the, the evening uh, uh, guests, uh, Tucker Hannity and and Ingram. I, I really have no use for anybody else. Right. Um. And so OAN's it, another one. Yeah. OA, OAN, a uh, one American news network. So there there's alternative media out there. I don't go to the alphabet channel. I'll tell you why, Ruben, your alma mater, UCLA, they did a study back in 2005, uh, the, uh, the political science department. And uh, one of the professors there at UCLA, Tim Grossclose, he actually said he admitted he said that media bias is real. And, and he actually said, I'm going to quote here, I'm going to quote the poli-sci uh, head at UCLA says, quote, of the 20 major media outlets studied, 18 scored left of center. With CBS Evening News, the New York Times, and the LA Times ranking second, third, and fourth, most liberal behind the news pages of the Wall Street Journal. 
the only networks now this is back in 2005 okay the only network which 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 uh, scored a little right of center was Fox News and the Washington Times so UCLA has, has said out of the 20 uh most powerful news outlets 18 are decidedly left mm. and just like i have to believe that they they have a conference or they, they get they collude together to to uh, to tell what the you know the game plan they're gonna they're gonna push. Ruben, just like when we were cops, we went to briefing or some right. people call it roll call, and we all get the same sheet. Okay, they get the same thing, Ruben. Yeah. And I'll tell you why because when you flip like from one liberal channel to another, you'll hear them saying like the uh, the commentators or the report will say, and we're reporting today that Trump is an idiot. Next channel, we are reporting today that Trump is an idiot. Next channel. We are reporting today that Trump is an idiot. Yeah. Ruben, they all yeah. get the same briefing and roll call. Right. Remember when they were saying uh, uh, we we have to reimagine the police, and every news network was saying reimagine. That was the the, the word reimagine. Come on, man. <laughs> so we we have to, uh, like you said, pick our news from different sources because this is uh, and, and all, for the most part. I, I, my, t- my TV stays off. I, I, the, my TV's on it. My wife's turned it on to watch, um, <laughs> Andy Griffith. She just leaves it running. You know, <laughs> you, you see Barney Fife out there and, and you know, those are good, clean, wholesome shows. And you just, you know, we, we can get this from, uh, from social media, the, the, our news. We don't need to watch right. those ABC. Yeah. There's, there's ABC. trusted social media out there. Here's something else, Ruben. I, I say that that's, it's very very interesting as it comes to uh, in regarding to the news. Uh, you've probably watched it. There's a video called Out of Shadows Official where you got two Hollywood stuntmen. Both of them are like 30-year veterans and Hollywood stuntmen, and they're both Catholics, by the way, I found out, where they, they give a whole hour and a half presentation about the Luciferian Satanists that run the Hollywood media. The video is called Out of Shadows Official. You can watch it on the Internet by going to their website because it's not on YouTube. They've, they've taken it down. But again, it just shows you got two retired Hollywood stuntmen that just tell, you could tell they've had a conversion mm-hmm. back to their faith, and they say everything, all the intricate details about the media. But I'll tell you how we know that this, um, this is a monopoly. I don't know if people realize that there are six billionaires that own 90% of the media. Yep. There's six companies that own almost 90% of all the media. <clears throat> and let me quote Malcolm X, somebody who I, don't, <laughs> I probably wouldn't agree with on many things. Malcolm X, he was a black Muslim uh, back in the 60s, right kind of alongside Martin Luther King. Yeah. He said this more than 50 years ago. He said this, quote, The media's the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty. And to make the guilty innocent. And that's power because they control the minds of the masses. The press is so powerful in its image-making role, it can make the criminal look like he's a victim and make the victim look like he's the criminal. If you aren't careful, the newspaper will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. Malcolm X warned us 50 years ago about the liberal media. Exactly, Jess, and that and that's what they did. Uh, well, uh, they they demonized the police uh, every time there's a shooting involving the uh, police. 
on a on a black uh, suspect. First of yep. all, they're they're always combative, right? It's not like they they go along with the program. The ones that get exactly. hurt, right? The ones that get, exactly. They never point that out. It's, you know, the guy would be alive today if he would have just said, okay, here, you know, take me into custody. End of story. Yeah. And we'll fight it in court. We'll fight it out in court. They make it a race issue. And uh, when uh, it's not, Ruben, it's no. just a, it's an issue of bad behavior. It's an issue of you're not going to tell me what to do, and I'll tell you why. I don't have a daddy. I have a father wound, and ain't nobody going to be my daddy. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. They have an aversion, young men, black or any race that grew up without a father are wounded emotionally. And so when somebody steps in and tries to assume the role of a patriarch, the fight is on. They were gonna, they're going to resist because they have an aversion to patriarchy. Mm. Hey, coming up, a good confessor, don't just trust anyone with your soul, okay, it's for you and your family. You want to hear this uh, from the great St. Alphonsus Liguori. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. Two-man car, 10-8 for Jesus, and we are back. We're going to be talking about a good confessor. This is a really good uh, uh, topic, Jess. Um, good theology, Ruben. This is traditional Catholicism at its finest. Mm-hmm. The meat of the article really, uh, well, let me first ask this question. Here's a teaser. Have you ever been to a bad confession with a bad confessor? I don't know, probably reading a newspaper or playing with a puzzle or totally distracted by something else during confession. Uh, you probably have. the. Don't answer the question because I have, so you probably have as well. Uh, a serious Catholic should find a good confessor. Don't trust just anyone with your soul. We're going to get right into the meat of it. It starts with the good confessor according to St. Alphonsus of Liguori. This is, he's the uh, doctor of moral theology. Uh, and so, I mean, he's one of the 38 doctors of the Catholic Church. And when I mean a doctor of the Catholic Church, I don't mean somebody that went to go get a PhD from Georgetown or from some other liberal Catholic university. Okay, These are saints whose understanding of God, prayer, and the interior life is so elevated They've broken the the glass ceiling in theology, and they've taken the Catholic Church's understanding to newer heights. There's only 38 of them in heaven. St. Alphonsus of Liguori is one of them, and I will tell him, pray for us. Amen. So, the article says about him, St. Alphonsus teaches that there are four roles which the priest must perform with excellence in order to be a good confessor. He's a father. He's a physician. He's a teacher, and he's a judge. To fulfill these aspects of his duty as a confessor, the priest must, of course, be holy. But personal holiness alone will not suffice. Indeed, the confessor must be well-learned in the matters of moral theology. Here we recall that St. Teresa thought it better to have a confessor who was learned but not holy, than the one who was holy but not learned. 
And that's from another doctor of the church, by the way, that uh, gives that piece of advice. So on the feast of the doctor of moral theology, this is an older article, it's not, it's not today, we consider the advice which St. Alphonsus gives the confessors, we should hope that priests would find a renewed zeal to read the works of the patron saint of confessors. Reuben. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, and and the whole reason for this is finding a good priest because your kids are going to go and confess to them. That's and right. your kids are going to tell the priest uh, stuff that you'll never hear because it's, it's you know, there's the seal of confession. And so you don't want them going to uh, somebody that is going to give them bad theology, first of all, or, or minimize the, you know, their, their um, activity or minimize their behavior. And um, I like uh, what Alfonso St. Alfonso says uh, in, a, in a different book where he says that uh, a priest should be uh, a lion in the pulpit and uh, a, a lamb in the confessional. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, that's good advice for this priest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Powerful. So um, the summary of St. Alfonso's advice to confessors. Um, it's extremely uh, dangerous to hear confessions. He says, a priest will have to render an account to God for every confession he has heard. Without holiness and learning, wow. the priest puts both his soul and the souls of his penitents in grave danger. Indeed, it would be better if such priests did not hear confessions at all. And that, you know, an example of that would be you're, you're giving somebody absolution that is living in objective sin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah. they're not in a, in a sacramental marriage and you're they mention it to you and you, and you still absolve them and allow them to go to communion. And that would, that's going to be on the priest. Right. He talks about three things, Ruben St. Alfonso. He talks about knowledge. The priest should be knowledgeable, have charity and firmness and fortitude. So here's what he says. Knowledge. The priest must be learned in order to hear confessions. Well, this applies especially to his role as teacher. It will not be enough for the confessor to have simply a general knowledge of moral theology, Rather, he requires a good understanding of applied morals and of the cases discussed in the manuals. For a priest to hear confessions without having consulted the classic works of moral theology, among which St. Alphonsus holds primacy of place, is an act of grave presumption. He risks not only his soul, but also the souls of his penitents. Let me give you an example, Ruben. I'll get get specific. Can you imagine a young guy going to confession still seriously dealing with homosexual proclivities and he goes to confession with father james martin Mm. okay imagine the the advice that he's going to hear or the spiritual direction he's going to hear at that confessional that's what that's this is what exactly what this article is talking about you have to make sure that the priest you're going to not only knows the catholic faith but believes the catholic faith because there are some prelates there that in Roman callers and bishops miters that guess what? They don't believe the moral teachings of the Catholic Church because they're not living them themselves. Right. Go ahead. Now, the, the next topic is charity and firmness. The confessor must be filled with charity, which lo- it's love, which means he must be holy. He is uh, to receive all, all persons, both saints and sinners, the wise and the ignorant, the rich and the poor, with kindness, and to advise them without fear or concern for personal gain. Particular care is required when hearing the confessions of, of women, since there is a danger of impurity. You know, uh, that's a, that's something I never even thought about. I never thought that about the either. You're, I read, yeah, you're 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 hearing the confessions of young women, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe 
their um, sexual sins, uh, sins of the sixth and the ninth commandments, and and uh, it could get priests if they're not uh, holy and holy, prayerful. Holy. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 their mind could be racing. Oh they're yeah, men. they're men just like us. You know? It could trigger their passions, Reuben. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. The third thing that's required of a good priest is fortitude. The confessor must know when and how to withhold, that is, defer absolution. A confessor exposes himself to grave danger of damnation by either being too rigorous or too lax. As one confessor sins by being too harsh, so to the priest who absolves a penitent who is not disposed for absolution is certainly guilty of sin. Generally speaking, the, the great rigor with which the confessor treats his penitents when there is question of the danger of formal sins, particularly against chastity the more he will promote their sanctification but above all else the confessor must be filled with a zeal for the salvation of souls yeah jess i went to a confession uh, a confessor one time uh when i was on duty and I, and um he, he took me in, in the rectory and and uh he said oh, go ahead sit, have a seat i said oh, no no father i, I think I'd, I'd rather kneel i, I always kneel for confession if it's face to face, if it's in the booth, it's I'm always kneeling. So uh, then he after he, I said, Father, are you going to give me any penance? Uh, oh, you know what? Don't be so hard on yourself. Why don't you go to the mall and buy yourself something? You know, <laughs> Father, go buy yourself a raspada. <laughs> I, I, I I was like my mouth was dropped open. I'm like, uh, you know, Father, I, I this is not something I'm 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 going to celebrate. You know, so. That was a that was a, a different uh, twist to that one. Now, <laughs> the the great uh, the great pontiff Saint Pius V said, "Give us fit confessors, and sh- surely the whole of Christianity will be reformed." Hmm. He who wishes to be a good confessor must, in the first place, consider that the office of a confessor is very difficult and dangerous, and that on the account of its difficulty and danger, the Council of Trent, by of, of whom uh, Saint Pius V uh, was involved in, has called it an office to be dreaded even by angels. Wow. And what says St. Lawrence Justinian can be more perilous than to assume the responsibility of rendering to God an account of the life of others. St. Gregory said that no error is more dangerous than that which is committed in the direction of souls. Hmm. It is certain that if a soul be lost through the fault of her confessor, God will demand of him an account of that soul. Hence, according to St. Gregory, a confessor has to render to God an account of as many souls as he has penitents. Wow. This is not applicable to those good priests who, penetrated with a holy fear, labor to qualify themselves for this great office and afterwards devote themselves to the exercise of it. Through the sole desire of bringing souls to God, it is intended only for those who undertake to hear confessions through worldly motives or temporal interests, or self-esteem, or as sometimes happens, without the necessary learning. Mm. There's knowledge required to hear confessions well. Absolutely. St. Lawrence, Lawrence Justinian, that Ruben just quoted, says, quote, Many graces, and not a little knowledge, is needed by him who desires to raise souls to life. He then, who wishes to hear confessions, stands in need of extensive knowledge. Some imagine the science of moral theology to be easy, but Gerson justly says that it is the most difficult of all sciences. And before him, St. Gregory said, quote, The directing of souls is the art of arts. Close quote. Mm. St. Gregory 
Nazianzen writes, quote, To direct men seems to me to be the greatest of all sciences. Mm-hmm. You know, in, that, in the, the previous paragraph, uh, the, you mentioned uh, the priests have to be penetrated with holy fear. Now, just so people know, holy fear is, is love's fear. Um, it's namely the kind of fear that, that's inspired by love. It's a fear based upon uh, reverence and respect for the person we, um, or, or thing we love. But, but it's, it's very different from being afraid of somebody or being afraid uh, of being punished. So this is, you know, uh, this, in fact, Scripture in Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom is to depart from evil. That means that we must avoid evil or anything that lures us to do evil or wickedness. So, yeah, I just want to cover that because sometimes people hear, holy fear, you know. Yeah, I think a simple way to just define that would be, we fear God as Catholic Christians. We fear offending God because he's our father and we love him. Muslims, their fear is, is called servile fear. Mm. They fear offending Allah because he's a master who will kill them and send them to hell. Mm. So their fear is based out of a master-slave relationship. Our fear is filial in Latin. That means the, the fear of a son, which means we fear God because we love him. And we fear offending him. Amen. That's the difference. All right. On the other side of the break, we're going to pick this up. And um, you want to hear the rest of this because this is good stuff, man. This is this is traditional Catholicism right here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are the DOJ disciples of Jesus and we uh we also the D- we seek the DEA denounce every abomination. And uh we're talking about confession here and I just saw uh, Exactly. What what makes a good confessor? That's what we have. I just noticed uh, one of my academy classmates is tuning in. Uh, oh, awesome. Welcome to the show, Dave. And uh, him and I have had many conversations about the faith, and it's good to see him tuning in right now. <clears throat> Ruben, I'll tell you why this is it's so important. Let me tell you the, the sacrament of confession, how important it is, and we'll go back to the article. Uh, I remember I was in the Diocese of Chicago giving some conferences, and this one priest, he's like 95 years old, he told me, Jesse... He goes, I was a young priest. I got ordained back in the late 30s, mid to late 30s. He says, I was a Chicago priest in the 30s and 40s during the era of Al Capone. And then he goes, do you realize that Al Capone knew the Baltimore Catechism very well? He says, uh, he would kill you in one of two ways. I said, what do you mean, Father? Talk to me. He says, if you double-cross Capone, but he liked you, he would allow you to go to confession before he executed you. But if Capone didn't like you and you double-crossed him, he would hire a hooker, and the hooker, he would seduce you. They'd have a, he, Capone would buy a room for you with li- liquor and drugs in there and a prostitute. And so Capone would tell his hitman, he goes, give the guy about five minutes. He'll, he'll be stark naked with this young hooker, kick the door down, catch him in the act of adultery or fornication, and then you point the gun at his head and tell him, 
Capone says you die in mortal sin, then execute him at point-blank range. Wow. Make sure he goes to hell. So, Ruben, what I'm saying is that Al Capone, this demented mafioso, he understood the reality of dying and, and the consequences of dying in unrepentant, unconfessed mortal sin. Wow. You know, uh, sometimes people will ask us, what are the advantages of uh, of you know, a Catholic who confesses to a priest as opposed to a non-Catholic who confesses directly to God. And so there are advantages. I just point those out first. You know, the, the Catholic seeks forgiveness the way the, that Christ intended it. You know, Amen. It's, it's scriptural, right? Second, by confessing to a priest, the Catholic learns a lesson in humility because, you know what? Sometimes it, you, you just it's you're unveiling stuff that no, you don't want people to hear, but uh, which is avoided when one confesses only through private prayer. So third, the Catholic receives sacramental graces the non-Catholic doesn't get. That's huge. Through the sacrament of penance, sins are forgiven and graces that are obtained. So when we go to confession, we're getting graces. So sometimes, you know, uh, you know, there are times when I, I'll go, you know, once a week or every two weeks just because I want the graces. I, I want to be able to have that strength to, to, to resist the big temptations when they come. That's right. Um, fourth, the Catholic is assured that his sins are forgiven he does not have to rely on a subjective feeling. Lastly, the Catholic can also obtain sound advice on avoiding sin in the future. And that's what we're talking about here. A sound priest who can give you some, some good learned advice. Ruben, let me tell you also, also how powerful the graces are in the sacrament of confession. Monsignor John Essef, who's 95 years old, he's the, he's the exorcist of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He's been the exorcist there for 55 years. He says, and he's been teaching, the, uh, he's been teaching at, at Mundelein Seminary for 50 years, uh, healing, deliverance, and exorcism. He says the sacrament of confession is more powerful than a solemn exorcism, is 100 times more powerful than a solemn exorcism. I'm going to repeat that again. Monsignor John Essef, the oldest exorcist in the United States, says the sacrament of confession is a hundred times more powerful than the prayers at a solemn exorcism. Take that to the bank. Mm. All right. St. Francis also used to say that the office of confessor is, of all offices, the most important and the most difficult. And he says that it's the most important because it depends on eternal salvation of souls, um, which is the end of all the sciences. It's the most difficult because the, the science of moral theology requires a knowledge of many other sciences and embraces an immense variety of matter. It's also most difficult because different decisions must be given according to the different circumstances of the cases that occur for a principle by which a case involving a certain circumstance may be decided will not answer for the solution of another another case containing a different circumstances. So what they're saying is that, you know, there might be two people who come to you and they are confessing the same sin, but their circumstances are different. One's, one's married, one's not, one's, you know, uh, there's, there's just different, uh, you have to have solutions. There's yeah, there's different variables, right? Different variables, exactly. And that's what we do. We tell, we tell our priests these, these things. We come in, yeah, I'm a married man. Uh, you know, you, you give them, it's kind of like when you go to a doctor, you tell them all that's, you know, yeah, where, where you're coming from? What would you been? Ruben, let me make it very simple. The Council of Trent teaches there's basically three things that we have to give. They have to know your your your, your vocation because a priest is going to give different absolution to a priest, a fellow priest who's masturbating and watching pornography. Uh, he's going to give a different uh, absolution to a married man doing that, or to an 18 year old kid. 
So your state and life, your vocation has to be stated. I'm a married man. And then you give the, 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 the number and kind or the kind and number. You give the, the, the sins that you've committed and the amount of times you've committed them since your last confession. Mm-hmm. You don't go into detail. Okay? It's not a counseling session. Yeah, it's an it's, it's you're being absolved of your sins. What you do need is a is contrition means your heart is broken and crushed because you've offended God. You need a firm purpose of amendment to change your life to reorient your will now to virtue and leave that vice. But especially the sexual sins, especially if you're a woman, no details should be given to the priest. That's not the place or the forum for that. Right. Yeah, good Good points, Jesse. All good points. Yeah. Um, let's see. The, Jumper says the charity and firmness yeah. that the confessor should have. Jump right there. Sanctity is more necessary on account of the great fortitude which a confessor requires in the exercise of his ministry. Only he that is a great saint, says St. Lawrence Justinian, can without injury to himself occupy himself with the care of souls. And a confessor requires a great fund uh, fund of charity in receiving all, the poor, the ignorant, the vicious. Uh, some hear the confessions of only of pious persons, but when a poor peasant comes from a, with a conscience loaded with sins, they hear, they hear him with impatience and send him away with reproaches. When a sinner comes to confession, the more abandoned he is, the more the good confessors labor to assist him and the greater the charity with which they treat him. You know, you're not, says Hugo of St. Victor, appointed judges of crimes to chastise, but as it were, judges of maladies to heal. That's powerful. That's what the church has always said, that the, the, the church is a field hospital for sinners, not a museum of saints. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, let me jump to some of the, we only have two minutes, the most important parts of the article. Uh, this next paragraph is, is very important. It is indeed necessary to admonish the sinner in order to make him understand his miserable state and the danger of, of damnation to which he's exposed. But he must, but he must be always admonished with charity. He must be excited to confidence in the divine mercy and must be taught the means by which he may amend his life. And though the confessor should be obliged to defer absolution, he ought to dismiss the penitent with sweetness, fixing a day for him to return and pointing out the remedies that he must practice in the meantime in order to prepare himself for the absolution. Sinners are saved in this way but not by harshness and reproaches which drive them to despair. Here's another important paragraph on refusing absolution. It says, yes. great fortitude is necessary in correcting penitence and in refusing absolution to those who have not the requisite dispositions without any regard to the rank or power or to the loss or injury which the confessor may sustain or to the imputations of discretion or of ignorance which may be cast upon him. Seek not, says the Holy Ghost, to be made a judge unless thou hast strength enough to extirpate iniquities, lest thou fear the person of the powerful. That would be, for example, our Catholic bishops, need they have to quit fearing these Catholic Democrat politicians, and they have to tell them the truth in charity for their souls. And here's the last part that jumps out at me that's important. Danger in being too harsh as well as in being too lax. But before we enter onto the subject... 
it's necessary to remark that a confessor exposes himself to as much danger of damnation by treating his penitents with too much rigor as he does by treating them with excessive indulgence. Too much indulgence, says St. Bonaventure, begets presumption, and too much rigor leads to despair. There is no doubt that many err by being too indulgent, and such persons cause great havoc. And I say even the great havoc for libertines, who are for the most part, who are, who are the most numerous class, go in crowds to these lax confessors and find in them their own perdition. The last thing that, and the very last, in the closing, the importance of whom we choose as our confessor and the confessor to our family is vital to our eternal souls. Be diligent to seek after such a confessor and beg Our Lady to intervene in your behalf. And lest we forget, ask for the intercession of St. Padre Pio and St. John Vianney that you may find such a confessor for your soul. Ruben? Yep. And uh, Padre Pio said, hey, uh, he invited all believers um, to confess at least once a week. He said, even if a room is closed, it's necessary to dust it after a week. But uh, we got to remember, Jess, that when we're, we're confessing our sins, we're confessing to Jesus. You know, the priest Amen. is just the mediator there, just like when uh, God used yep. Moses to talk to mm -hmm. his people, right? So we're confessing to Jesus. So you can't scandalize the priest. He's heard everything. So you just got to get in there and, uh, and just tell him the truth. And the other thing about uh, not absolving the sins, because that's, that's right there in John 20. Um, it says, if, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So the power to bind and loose. And, and so you know that confession is, it's hard to, you know, what came first, the egg or the, the chicken or the egg? Well, you, like you're saying, what's the most important sacrament? You know, is it the Eucharist? You know, it's the source and summit of our faith. Is it baptism? It brings us into the family. But what about confession, man? Without a good confession, you lose your salvation. So Take this to heart when you go to confession, you know, prepare. Don't don't go in haphazardly and, and just enter the church and go straight to the box. You got to get in there and prepare yourself and do, a, you know, an examination of conscience. And uh, so prayers before confession, prayers after, good Thanksgiving after. When I say my confession, the last thing I end with, and, you know, if you like it, you could use it. It's uh, I'd say for these sins and any sins in my past life, I ask pardon and absolution from God and pardon and penance from you, my spiritual father. Amen. Yep. Yep. Jesus said to San Faustina in the confessional, I'm only hidden in the priest, but I myself act in your soul. Here the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Reuben, wrap it up. Yep. I like that, that the priest, could, you can actually hear him say you are absolved of your sins. Uh, you know, it's called the, the sacrament of penance, uh, forgiveness, but since the priest, priest sacramental absolution, God grants the penitent pardon and peace. Amen. You have been listening to Jesus 911. We're happy to be here for you. And, uh, you know, if you like what we hear, you know, like what you hear, share it and uh, tell your friends about it. We're not on that other platform. We're on uh, right now. We're on Facebook and some others, but we got we got reprimanded. Stay tuned for hands on apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. We are 10-7. Jess, you